Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, May 25th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a Mississippi civil rights leader reflects on the legacy of George Floyd one year after Floyd's murder. Then, the Emmett Till Interpretive Center holds a town hall at the Sumner Courthouse. Plus, as state testing season wraps up, we look at the impact of testing on teachers and students in Mississippi public schools. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Today marks one year since George Floyd was murdered by a police officer on a Minneapolis sidewalk. Floyd's death sparked a racial reckoning felt throughout the world, including here in Mississippi. Leslie McLemore, a giant of the civil rights movement and a Jackson State University professor, has witnessed his home state undergo real change, like the adoption of a new state flag over the past 12 months. But, he says, there's still a long way to go. He speaks with our Kobe Vance. Clearly police community uh, must see African Americans as human beings. Uh, and what has happened traditionally in our state is that black folk have not been treated as humans. I mean, there is, is as this notion of white privilege that is clearly part and partial of what happens in our state. So often uh, black people are not treated as equal citizens, are not treated as first-class citizens. So we clearly have to train the police uh, community in Mississippi and let them clearly understand that black people are part of the human race. And that's something that we really have to deal with in a very systematic way. And I, I just simply think that because of the stereotypical thing of uh, the black, black presence, I think what we have in in our state is that there is not this respect for black people, but especially black men, and black men have been the major victims of police brutality in our state. Of course, it's also been true of of black women, too, but black men in particular have witnessed uh, just several years, a century of police brutality, and that's something that is a reflection 
clearly of the history and the racism in the state of Mississippi. Uh, but uh, this is, in one sense, there are great possibilities. I am pleased that the George Floyd impact uh, had the real effect relative to the changing of the flag. Uh, that would not have happened uh, without the the brood killing of George Floyd. So the Mississippi legislature did the correct and the right thing in that instance. Now, as far as the state legislature goes, uh, there were two major things that happened in the past year. We did have the flag change um, that happened shortly after the death of George Floyd and some, uh, about a month of protests around the nation. And then we had, um, in this most recent session, uh, we had a bill that addressed uh, parole. Do you think that those are a sign that Mississippi's ready to make more change in terms of reform, or do you think this is just an, another small step towards accomplishing goals down the line? No, I, I think uh, Mississippi is perhaps ready for reform, but it's going to take uh, the legislators working together. It's going to really take the coalition of Republicans and Democrats working together that were able to pull uh, the together the option of changing the flag, uh, any other reform that we uh, have in Mississippi will require the legislature working together uh, because we have a governor in office who is a throwback to another era. So it's going to take uh, the legislature and it's going to take the community, the public, uh, putting pressure on the legislators uh, to move toward reform in our state. But without pressure from the people and without a coalition of like-minded legislators working together, we will not have the needed reform that we should have in Mississippi. And now this is going to be a very broad question, but if you had to choose one or a few topics that you would like to see addressed uh, first, what would be some of those that you'd like to see when it comes around police reform and um, protections for African Americans or, or others from law enforcement? In order to have police reform, in order to have political change in our state, we must protect the right to vote. And we have the most oppressive voting regulations of any state in the union. Uh, we don't have early voting. Uh, we have uh, so many restrictions uh, centered around absentee voting. But you see, the hallmark of any democracy is citizen participation. And if you deny uh, citizens the right to vote, uh, then you really don't, uh, you aren't able to do so many of the things that you should do as a, as a state or as a nation. So, uh, number one, and first and foremost, is having this frame of reference that permits and allows citizens to actively participate in the political process. And then, uh, clearly, as I pointed out earlier, uh, we need simply broad tra training across the board. We need to train our policemen. Uh, they really need to have a better understanding of how you treat fellow human beings. 
and that training uh, should be systematic and across the board, and it ought to be uniform. But clearly, until we do something of that nature, we are not really going to make the progress that we should make. Is there anything else about this past year that you see as like uh, something that stood out to you uh, as something of significance or something else you'd like to see addressed? You know, let me just say this. I am encouraged by the active participation of white people and black people as, and other people as they protest and demand change in our state. I mean, I am encouraged by the interracial nature of the protest that has happened across America, and I think that is going to be the key when the larger public and when the world sees that this is not just a black protest or an Asian protest or a Native American protest, but an interracial, but an interracial protest of all people who are demanding change and demanding uh, that we really have a multiracial democracy in this country. Leslie McLemore is a professor at Jackson State University and is a civil rights activist in Mississippi. Uh, Leslie McLemore, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. Take care. Coming up, the Emmett Till Interpretive Center invites community input for a new memorial. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The Emmett Till Interpretive Center is inviting community input on planning an Emmett Till and Mamie Till Mobley Memorial at the river site where Emmett's body was pulled from the Tallahatchie River. Till was murdered in 1955 when he was 14, and the decision by his mother, Mamie Till Mobley, to hold an open casket funeral is considered by many to be the launching point for the modern civil rights movement. The town hall will occur tonight at 6 p.m. at the Sumner Courthouse in Tallahatchie County. All residents of the Mississippi Delta are invited to attend. Our Michael Guidry spoke with the director of the center, Benjamin Salisbury. When we talk about commemoration, uh, we believe that it's one thing for us as an organization and a group to take on a task uh, and view it as a project, but it's a whole other thing when, when the reality of the matter uh, are, are this, uh, that whatever work we do does impact this community, and we want to do the best we can uh, to not just impact, but to actually involve and hear the voices and concerns of community members, because we think that doing that increases the likelihood of us uh, actually accomplishing uh, something that we've set out to do and we believe we're still in much need of doing, which is uh, the cultivation of, of racial harmony here and hope and, and hope that, that, that other places are inspired uh, to do good work wherever they are. This is a narrative that has, um, I think it has far-reaching implications and impacts so many people for so many different reasons. And we want to do the best we can to be uh, mindful of that, uh, of that reality while also uh, figuring out the best practices and ways and means 
of, you know, memorializing and remembering the life of Emmett Till and Mamie Till Mobley while also uh, speaking to and giving voice to the community that we are a part of. In regards to the, the mission of, of racial harmony and, and racial reconciliation, how significant is it to be hosting this conversation uh, and this meeting of community and ideas in the courthouse, in the same place where the men accused of murdering Emmett Till uh, were acquitted and allowed to walk free? Yeah, so, so that's a great question, Michael. Um, it, it is my opinion, and I think it's a shared sentiment by those from whom I work with, that, um, that, that, that it's, it's extremely important to um, when, we, when we talk about justice, right, when we look at justice, we believe it's very important to use that space intentionally. So to, so to be able to host this kind of meeting, right, to be able to host these conversations and to host this process um, or to begin the process, rather, in, in that space in particular, uh, it, speaks to, um, it speaks to hope, right? And it, but it also speaks to, again, intentionality, uh, that it is not by accident that that space has been restored to the 2855 because it serves as a point of reset for us as a community, but I think it can also serve uh, as a point of potential uh, for for society at large, that you can look at spaces of horror, you can look at spaces uh, that injustices and tragic events have taken place and intentionally use those spaces uh, to cultivate new narratives and to engage new audiences and, and other community members. And so it's within that sentiment and others that we've you know decided that using this space for this time for the reason and purposes of, of, of cultivating racial harmony and remembering where we come from and remembering history and then writing new narratives and setting a new precedent uh, that, that we wanted to use that space uh, to add to the narratives that already exist in a much more positive um, and hopefully a much more long-lasting way. There is currently a, a marker at the river site, the Tallahatchie River site, memorializing Emmett Till. Uh, throughout the years, that has been the target of acts of vandalism and desecration. Uh, how do you hope that re-engaging the community in Mississippi collectively will go to address, I guess, the rhetoric and the mentality that leads people to, to commit such acts? Well, that, that too is a very great question, Michael. Um, I want to be clear that, that, that what I'm sharing is, is, is a hope, right? It's not a guarantee. Uh, and so I don't want, if I can avoid it, I don't want my words to be held against me down the road. But having said that, um, you know, we believe it's very important that, one, I mean, that, that it does a few things. That one, it, it shows people, regardless of where they are, uh, you know, philosophically on, on, on remembrance and, and things of that nature, that there are people here, black and white, that absolutely um, care, that they care about the memory and legacy uh, but then, too, that that these folks, black and white, care about each other. And we care in such a way that, that we want to do the best we absolutely can to be the best stewards possible of of the land and spaces that we share, especially in this case in light of the, the you know, the the history that, that, that presides in that location. We hope to kind of quiet some of that rhetoric. Uh, we, we absolutely hope no one else commits acts of vandalism concerning these sites uh, but, but just as important, we hope to gain the attention and the ear and the heart of people who may not have been willing to give fair hearing uh, to this narrative and to this work prior to. Uh, and, and we think that over the long term, 
um, all of us will be made much better because we're taking time to, um, you know, to just, again, not allow these sites uh, to kind of fall away, you know, by, by history and or by way of those who, who aren't comfortable with talking about race and racism because in spite of the lack of comfort that may exist, we have the responsibility, uh, you know, to, to have those conversations with, uh, with the hopes of, of real-life, real-time solutions uh, to be created and then implemented short-term and long. This effort, these town halls, are centered around community input uh, for uh, Emmett Till and Mamie Till Mobley Memorial. And that last part is significant. Why is her role in this narrative so important? The bravery of Mamie Till Mobley, um, in large part, is, is why is why we're as aware of of the harsh realities of racism as, as it is. It was by her, you know, her decision to have an open casket funeral that brought, you know, this new level of awareness uh, concerning racism to the forefront in 1955 and going forward. But I think the other thing is I don't think she's heralded as the hero that she actually is. You know, we would be remiss to not acknowledge and, you know, deliberately uh, the bravery and also the insight um, and the perseverance of Mamie Till Mobley, uh, because you know it's by her uh, that that a we all are more aware of or were made aware of the tragic murder of her son. But then too, you know she took it on herself. You know her life is an example of one that speaks to engagement, and I think that's part of the reason why again we're looking at community engagement to kind of hear the thoughts and, and voices of others, even concerning again the uplifting of. Of, of Mamie Till Mobley as well as, you know, her son Emmett. Well, Benjamin Salisbury, Museum Director of the Emmett Hill Interpretive Center, thank you so much uh, for your insight, for your time, uh, and we wish you luck. Right. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Michael. Coming up, tracking student performance in Mississippi public schools is critically important and impossibly complex. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The end of May marks the end of state testing season for a Mississippi school system challenged by crumbling infrastructure, teacher shortages, and uneven outcomes. Kelsey Betts reports on education in the Mississippi Delta for Mississippi Today. In a conversation with MPB's Rob Lane, she says the state's focus on standardized testing has created a system of misplaced priorities that disadvantages students the worse off a school is as far as like funding or resourcing goes, like the more pressure that school is going to feel to perform well on their state tests because those, those state tests like accountability grades have huge bearings like for employment, like within the school district and without school district, like bringing business around all that kind of stuff. So what happens there is that there just winds up being like a ton of pressure on kids to be able to pass, these tests so like instead of like something that we just hear a lot about is that like 
all kids are learning is test prep, test prep, test prep, you know, and that's it. Um, and so like, we'll hear comments from like, you know, teachers who are really discouraged by the system because they're teaching kids, they're having to teach kids like how to answer, you know, state test prep questions and not necessarily being able to dive into like the full expansiveness of what education could be and should be. Um, so yeah, so I think I think that's kind of what happens in terms of like state testing numbers sometimes. Now, earlier this year, we got a little bit of a snapshot into what Mississippi's ACT scores look like at the moment. Right. And you wrote a pretty in-depth piece sort of digging deep into the data there. Could you elaborate a little bit on that, um, what the current Mississippi ACT numbers suggest about where we're at and where we still need to go? Right. Okay. So this is something that I think we all need to be paying more attention to. So a little bit of like background context, every school and every school district gets a grade by the Department of Education and a significant percent, like more than 60% of that grade comes from the state test. So there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot of pressure on administrators, on teachers, on principals, on kids to pass the state test. And so what often falls to the wayside is things that actually impact kids' lives, like the ability to pass the ACT, the graduation rate, you know, the, like, college college readiness, that kind of stuff. So while we're putting – while our, our state education leaders are putting so much, like, through this accountability model, through the metrics that they've employed, are putting so much pressure on state testing, things like – our ACT scores for our students are not just by a pure like metric standpoint, they're not doing well. So yeah, the story that you're referring to the, the department of education released the ACT scores and the average junior in Mississippi made um, like a 17.7 on the ACT, which was actually an increase by a 10th of a point from the year before and so that's just, I mean, this isn't, this is not like subjective. This isn't anything opinionated. This is just like the numbers tell us that kids in Mississippi aren't ready for college because based on the metrics that the ACT puts out, you know, it's like your, your average student would need to score, you know, an 18 on the English section of the ACT to probably be able to pass like an English class in college. Well, the average student in Mississippi is making a 16. And so that's, that's kind of like how it is across the ranks. Um, Yeah. And so that's, I mean, I think that's really important. I I think that like um, it's, it's just something that should be looked at in terms of like what, which one of these like metrics and tests is like actually will actually have an impact on like a, a student's life in terms of being able to make it into college and like apply for scholarships that would help them get paid for college versus like being able to pass a state test, which might make our state look better in general compared to other states, but actually is doing anything to help students. Whether it's ACT scores or any other sort of data set, is there one metric that you would point to that if you saw marked improvement there, you would consider to be pretty unimpeachable evidence of 
real change, real sort of non-subjective change and improvement within Mississippi schools? Um, well, no, because I think that the focus is too much on, on test numbers. Like, I think that there's a lot in classrooms and education that has been lost, like, to data like that has been like they're they're like immeasurables that can't really be put into like you know a test score like like in terms of like kids like emotional wellness like mental wellness like those sorts of things like suffer a lot of times when there is like consistent and constant pressure to perform well on you know a state test um I mean, I think that they can definitely, those like those numbers can definitely tell us something, especially when we're looking at like proficiency, like how, how well a student can read. But I mean, to answer your question, I don't think that there's like a silver bullet metric, um, at least like from my standpoint, that would really, you know, do that for me. But obviously, like if the ACT scores were to increase, I think that that would show a shift in prioritizing students' needs, which would be really good. Kelsey Betts is a Mississippi Delta education reporter with Mississippi Today. Kelsey, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.